This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that reveals a little bit more about history day by day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about the time when 12 nations decided there would be peace on Earth, even if only in the part of the world where almost no one lives. The day was December 1st, 1959. Twelve nations signed the Antarctic Treaty, which prohibited military activity on the continent and ensured it would be used only for scientific research and exploration. This was the first arms control agreement of the Cold War era, and the first and only treaty that governs an entire continent. The question of who owns Antarctica has been raised many times since its modern discovery. Starting in the 1800s, a host of countries began laying claim to various parts of the continent. Sometimes these claims overlapped and led to diplomatic squabbles, but for the most part, everyone kept things nice and civil when it came to the world's most remote region. However, things started to heat up in the mid-20th century and some conflicting claims began to lead to actual war. For example, in 1948, the Argentine military fired on British soldiers in an area of Antarctica that had been claimed by both countries. It wasn't the only such incident, and with the Soviet Union starting to show its own interest in the continent, further disputes were looking more and more likely. Some heads of state even began to worry that the isolated, uninhabited continent could be used as a potential launch site for nuclear weapons. With that threat in mind, the United States got the ball rolling by suggesting that Antarctica be made a trustee of the United Nations. That proposal failed because no one wanted to give up their claims to the continent and hand over control to an international organization. So, in May of 1958, President Eisenhower decided to try a different approach. He invited 11 nations to a conference to discuss the future of Antarctica. The meeting would be based on three points of agreement that had been decided by the nations through informal talks. The three points of agreement were as follows. That the legal status of the Antarctic continent would remain unchanged that scientific cooperation would continue, and that the continent would be used for peaceful purposes only. All 11 nations accepted the U.S. invitation, and the conference was held in Washington, D.C. from October 15th through December 1st, 1959. Diplomats from each of the 12 nations worked together on the treaty, and on the last day of the conference, they all signed their names to the document. First and foremost, the treaty established Antarctica as a military-free zone. It specifically banned, quote, any measures of a military nature, such as the establishment of military bases and fortifications, the carrying out of military maneuvers, as well as the testing of any type of weapons, including nuclear. Second, the treaty made clear that peaceful scientific endeavors were allowed, 
and that scientists could travel the continent freely, including through areas claimed by other nations. Speaking of those territorial claims, the treaty let them all stand, essentially freezing the map as it was. Among the twelve original signers of the Antarctic Treaty, seven had laid claims to parts of the continent. Argentina, Australia, Chile, France, New Zealand, Norway, and the United Kingdom. The other five nations, Belgium, Japan, South Africa, the Soviet Union, and the United States, had explored the continent but put forward no specific claims. The treaty provided that, for as long as it's in force, those original seven claims cannot be added to or taken away, neither can any new claims be made. One interesting note is that if you set aside all the areas of the continent that have been claimed by at least one country, there's still one sector of Antarctica left, and since it isn't allowed to be claimed while the treaty is in force, that effectively makes it the last piece of unclaimed land on Earth. The treaty went into effect in June of 1961, and the basic policies it established have continued to govern Antarctica ever since. Disputes have cropped up from time to time, but most have been addressed through expansions to the treaty, which is now referred to as the Antarctic Treaty System. These additions have addressed concerns such as pollution, conservation of marine life, prohibitions on mining, and the protection of natural resources. The treaty's membership has grown along with it. Today, it has 54 signatories, though only 29 of those parties have decision-making powers. These so-called consultative parties include the 12 original countries to sign the treaty, along with 17 others that have met several criteria relating to scientific research on the continent. The member countries continue to meet once a year to discuss issues and to renew their commitment to keeping Antarctica free of international conflict. The Antarctic Treaty has value in its own right, but it's also important as a model for how foresight and cooperation can prevent problems before they get out of hand. The idea behind the treaty is that it's easier to ban militarization before it happens than it is to try to regulate or abolish it after it's been introduced. Later non-armament treaties have followed this approach, and as a result, nuclear weapons are now forbidden not only in Antarctica, but in Latin America, on the seafloor, and in outer space. None of that solves the deeper problems at play, but like the Antarctic Treaty itself, at least it's a step in the right direction. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.